talk. Uh, what's funny is the interaction of Family Sunday coming this month, the interaction of where we were in the Proverbs, we're going to kind of land just kind of in the middle of both these things, and we're going to mash them together. We're going to love a parent, and we're going to love like a parent. You and I are going to look this morning, and we're going to continue where we've been in the idea of looking at um, Solomon and his wisdom, but where have we been? Well, if you look in the last couple months, where have we been? Well, we've looked at one of the most famous father-son relationships in history, David and Solomon. A lot of times you can't say one without the other. King David, King Solomon, their life, what happened, a very, a very uh, uh, intricate story, one that Scripture gives a whole lot of time to between David's life and Solomon's life, the transition and everything. There is a lot of Scripture given to that parent-child relationship. If you think about December, what did we do there? Well, we talked about the most famous, the most famous son and father relationship, Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father. So we've kind of been here already. We've been talking about some of these things already. In the last two years of just going through biographies, starting in Genesis chapter 1, now being in Proverbs, we have seen probably a third of the time there are, there's a tremendous impact between the, 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 the parent-child relationship. You and I are talking about people that are dealing with the failures and frustrations of a parent that came before them. We've talked about people that have lived in the blessing of parents that come before them. We've talked about all of those things. Why? Because there's no earthly relationship like the one of parent and child as far as formation goes. The initial training of the disciple that you and I will be was granted by God to be done by the family, not the church. We're going to talk about a couple hard things this morning as families go, but I'm just going to look at you today as we start this, and I'm going to lay the framework like this. The fruit of broken families, every time you turn on the news, that's what you're seeing. Every time you turn on the news, most of the chaos, not only outside in the world, but within the church, is derived from us turning our back and abandoning what God called the first church, the little flock, the family. And so these relationships are so very important. We've spent so much time talking about individuals, but rarely do we get to pull them out of the context of their mother and father and their circumstances that got them there. Solomon is blessed because David was his father. David poured out his wisdom on Solomon. And so we look at Solomon as the wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus Christ. But what I hope you've seen in the of sermons or the last four about Solomon is that wisdom didn't come from nowhere. Solomon pulls from the stories that David told him. Solomon pulls from the testimony of who David is. Even last week when we're reading in Proverbs, you go to Psalm 1 and you see a mirror of the same wisdom there. So this family relationship is of utmost importance. You and I cannot be separated from who we are with the family that we come from. There's tremendous imagery in this. You and I are, are reading constantly, and you and I look at the Scripture, and when we do, what do we see? We see God as Heavenly Father. Listen to me very carefully. 
When you live in a culture where the word father becomes a curse word, and you and I start to preach about the heavenly father, or we start to talk about the heavenly father, if the first thing that comes to my mind is abandonment, pain, or suffering, I have a hard time with the idea of God as heavenly father. I think a part of that has helped us morph our imagery into God as just a heavenly grandfather. Why? Because that dude was cool. Sit on his lap, hang out, love on you, let you do whatever you wanted to do. Like you look at at my parents' house right now, as long as they don't burn the house down, whatever my kids want to do is what my parents are doing. Now, it wasn't that long ago, it wasn't that way. But right now, the love and the care that a grandfather pulls out is almost more, uh, we gravitate toward it. Why? Because our culture has broken the idea of father. That imagery is terrible. That's hard to overcome. I want you to understand this. The idea of God being someone's creator and God being somebody's father are also a different set of circumstances. People like to throw that around like it's a big kumbaya, father here, father there. No, that's not the case. Christian, you have a very special relationship with the God of the universe. Not only are you the temple, young and old, not only are you the temple of God, you are his child. We talked a couple years ago, I went through a sermon series talking about the, just the, the nicknames that God gives the church. The one that stuck with me these last couple years, you're the apple of God's eye. Now, you ever been around a parent with a child that just excelled at something? I mean, just in the last five or six days, they got a promotion, they graduated this, they, they, become a, they got their master's in something, they become a doctor, they're a lawyer, they won a big case. They, you ever been around a parent like that? The apple of their eye just blah, 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 just flows. You understand that the Heavenly Father feels that way about you? That he feels that way about me? We are his sons and his daughters. So many in the world are his creation. They do not understand the relationship between them and God. And that's part of the mission you and I are on is to help with that. To solve or alleviate that. Young and old. John calls the church in 1 John, my little children. Here's an elderly man, seen Jesus, seen a resurrected Christ. He's suffered for his faith. He's, he's birthed churches. He's planted missionary. He's done all of this stuff, and he's writing back these tender letters to these people, and he's loving on them, and he's calling them my little children. What a beautiful picture from a guy who started churches and just loved Christian people. You're my children. How about Paul? Paul calls Timothy his son in the faith. Listen, friends, for those of you that have had a poor earthly father, for those of you that when you hear that word, there is pain and suffering that comes along with it. Let me tell you something. There are churches filled with godly men that would love to give you that experience. They can be a Christian father to you and love on you and help you and take care of you. They're out there. Most of them feel like they don't have a place in the church anymore, which is absolutely insane. The people with the resources and the time are also the people that the the Lord has tricked into thinking you don't have a place in the church anymore. There are people out there that can be a spiritual father to you. They can love you. They can draw you in. They can even be close to the same age. Do not put a box on who that person needs to look like. Maybe they've been a Christian 30, 40 years. 
who they can pour out in you. Maybe you're 50 and they're 40, but spiritually they are someone that can help you and pour into you. Gravitate toward those people. Women and mothers do the same thing. They are out there. They can love on you. They can help you. Paul calls Timothy who? His son in the faith. Don't you love that idea? And the scary one is the last one. If you remember when Jesus is call, call, uh, talking to the, the evil and the religious, he's looking at them and saying, you're sons of Satan. You brood of vipers. You and I belong to a family. We belong to a spiritual family. This imagery is of utmost importance, not only to us right now, but it's been that way since the dawn of man. The family, the father, the mother have been of utmost importance. And every society that has broken this has paid dearly. So we get the imagery. What's the importance? Well, Deuteronomy 5.16 says this, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and so that you may prosper in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Quick question, raise your hands. How many people like being told what to do? How many of you think you need to be told what to do sometimes? Okay, there we go. Wow, we're at, we're at like, that was pitiful. That was like 15%. We don't like being told what to do. Understandable. I don't like it either. The disciples didn't like it. You want to know why? Because that flesh within us screams to be the one to navigate our own course. The problem is, you and I make messes, or even worse, we get ourselves killed. My baby doesn't understand the concept of walking properly. I can let him do what he wants, but what do you think is going to happen? I had this realization about a week ago. When's the last time you tried to feed a toddler? Right, one that knows these hands are meant for grabbing things. And most of them go in my mouth. So, like, we're going to cut out the middleman, right? Like, he's going to take the spoon. Do you know what I realized in about three seconds of that? When we finish this process, I'm going to have a huge mess to clean up, and he's still going to be hungry. Because that food ain't hitting his mouth. We don't like to be told what to do. You don't have to teach a child to lie, and you don't have to teach him to say what? Mine. They just learn it. They just know it. Why? We like to rebel. So as I look here this morning and see a a room filled with children, I'm begging them to listen to me. You understand this concept. You know when you obey, you know when you're disobeying. God says, obey your parents. Honor your parents. Why? Because they're there for your benefit. And if you have the blessing of a good one, the blessing of two good ones, the blessing of, of parents that want to love and honor God and want to serve him and want to train you up in that, you, your life has been so blessed, you have no clue and you will not know until they were gone and then you'll know again when you land in heaven. It's a blessing so good, you can't quantify it this side of heaven. 
And the Lord is telling you and I to honor not only the ones that are great, but the ones that are hard. You see, you can honor someone that's not nice. You can pray for them. You can build a a little bit of space where you're not used and abused by them anymore. You can do other things that are honoring to them without being uh, beaten to death by their issues or their pain or their frustration. There's some wisdom in this. But when you and I are taking people in our prayer closet to God, it's impossible to hate them. Don't care who they are. If you're praying for someone, it is impossible to hate them. You are showing by your action, you're walking them into God's throne room and you're begging him to change them, make them repent, bless them, bring them into relationship with him and eventually fix this relationship. So we are commanded to honor our father and our mother. What happens when we get this wrong? What happens when we got the the family wrong? Let me tell you something. The police force is what happens when you get this wrong. When we train children not to obey or honor their parents, they will honor or obey no authority. And it will follow them through their life. They will never have a job that they can keep. God help them when they get married. If they run into the police, they're not going to honor that either. And ultimately, you and I have set them up to despise God and hate him. Because we've not taught them, trained them, disciplined them into honoring those that God says to honor. He has commanded it and he blesses it. Personal formation, what? Needs it. You need the safety and the instruction. Kids, listen to me. You're old enough to understand what I'm saying to you. You listen to me right now. Stop being defiant and disobeying your parents. Listen to what they're telling you. They do not want to harm you. Of all the people you know in your life, there is God that loves you and wants to see you blessed. And then there are your parents and they love you and want to see you blessed. Your other friends have no clue what it looks like for you to be a proper person into the future. All of that peer pressure, all of that push to do and say and rebel are going to get you in trouble. And if you are old enough to understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, you are old enough to understand that God tells you to honor your mother and your father. It's the only commandment with a promise. That blows my mind. It's one of those pieces of scripture that that ties my mind in knots. Would it not be to honor God? Would be the one with the the promise? Would be the, the command with a promise? No, it's honor your parents. Why? Because that's where you learn how to honor God. Because you and I, what what do we do with parents? We get to the point where if we're loving them properly and yielding properly, what do we figure out? They're not that dumb. Now, to my own shame, I, I realized this about six months after moving out of the house, actually moving out of my dorm room when I started paying my own bills. I realized it, like, man, my dad hounded me, was probably smart, leaving the door open and leaving the lights on is dumb. I just wasn't the one paying it. But you have that realization, the earlier you have that realization, the better off you are in life. If your mom and your dad or your grandmother, your grandfather love the Lord, lean into what they're telling you. What happens next with this social structure also requires this. 
We live in a free society because at one time we were filled with moral people, at least people that had the same concepts of right and wrong. The family is where that is built. The social structure requires the family to be strong. Why? Because that's the way God ordained it. You understand when the enemy got the family, he got the church too. It was just a matter of time. Say, what do you mean? Well, if the family is upside down, wrong, or broken, then the churches that that those families make up will be upside down, wrong, or broken. There's an importance here. There's also an imperative. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. What do they say? They say this, children, obey your parents in the what? In the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that you may have a long life in the land. First command with a promise. And I love this because Paul to the Ephesian church adds this in it, in the Lord. Tony Evans in my study Bible made this comment, and I love it. Children outgrow obedience. They don't outgrow honor. Talking with a guy at work, a guy that's become a dear brother to me, and we're having this conversation about family and children yesterday, and one of the coolest uh, points that he makes was this guy lived in the trenches, loving his family, loving his boys. He had two sons. He was working hard at making them men, and he said one of the coolest things ever was just to be able now to enjoy their company. As teenagers walking in, one getting ready to go to college, one in high school, they walk in now, and instead of having this this relationship of, of tension and discipline and whatever else, what are they doing? They're hanging out like buddies. Why? Because he did the hard work when it was time. One of the greatest blessings in the world to him was to be able to understand that. So his children will outgrow obedience. You will outgrow obedience. There will come a day, and it will be faster than you expect, that you don't have to obey your parents anymore. You are required to honor them. What does it look like to honor a parent that you no longer have to obey? I don't know. Call them on the phone. Tell them you love them. Spend time with them. They have a need. Try to work through it. Tell them how good they've been to you. That's how you honor those you no longer have to obey. In the Lord, what's in the Lord do? Well, it supersedes the failures and frailties that your human interaction with your parents may have. Listen, a college student, college freshman at the tender age of 19, when you've now got all the world's knowledge, and you are wiser than all of your peers and your parents and your grandparents. In the Lord means you're still honoring your mother and your father. You might have doctor behind your name. You might be the first one ever to graduate college. Man, you might be watching some some sweet videos on YouTube and learning all the things of the world, and now you just know more than everybody else. You do not get to demean, frustrate, or hurt your parents because somehow educationally or physically you have now outgrown them. Let me tell you something terrifying about this concept. If you and I don't take them babies and navigate them properly, by the time they're 13, you have nothing left but physical violence. Understand what I'm telling you. If you and I don't correct them when they're little, if they get rebellious and they get mean, by the time they're 13, you have nothing left but physical violence. You say, well, that's kind of nasty. That's kind of mean to say. No, it's not. What else are you going to do with a 13-year-old? It's in your face. Will not listen, will not obey, will not heed. What do you do? We have parents that think 
their children's cell phone is actually theirs even when the kids don't pay the bill. <laughs> like that just become a wheel chalk so my car don't roll. You understand what I'm saying? It's paperweight. Like you ain't paying that bill. Listen to me very carefully. If you and I don't do the hard things when they're little, when they get old enough to look you eye to eye, you have nothing left. I work in the emergency services industry. Do you know how many times police are called on teenage kids? A lot. Why? Because they let a rebellious two-year-old or three-year-old or five-year-old get away to the point till puberty kicked in and testosterone kicked in. And then you're left with two people nose to nose, one of which is a father or a mother and the other of which is a kid that is rebellious and what scripture would call Mara, willfully defiant. You understand the Old Testament punishment for Mara, for a Mara child was to stone them? This is not funny stuff we're talking about. This is of utmost importance. Children, obey your parents. In the what? In the Lord. Education, stature, or affluence don't affect this command. I don't care if your mom and dad, your grandmother, your grandfather didn't graduate high school and now you're a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever else. You do not demean them. You honor them. Because you stand on the shoulders of their hard work, their love, their care, and their teaching. If they love the Lord, you better not abuse them because you're smarter than them or taller than them or bigger than them. Because he will plead their case. And it will not end well. But friends, let me tell you something, parents. Just spend a little time giving the kids a little pep talk. Is that what we'll call that this morning? What's the next part? Fathers, <laughs> Ephesians 6, 4. This is an impossibility. Don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. I am reminded constantly, and I don't know if I put it on this slide or the next one. I'm just going to go ahead and jump the, jump the gun on it now. I am reminded constantly of this idea when I do a wedding. I read from the scripture. <laughs> I know, a lot of people don't do that anymore. Wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> people say, what? that kind of hurts. Not interested. Nope, not going to do it. That is the stickiest word in that whole passage. It is not the one that has the most accountability attached. So parents, let me give you the same one. I just told your children to obey you, honor you, and respect you. (laughs) Now I got to look at you and say, you better love them like the Lord tells you to. You see, in in, in a wedding, it's it's bride, submit to your husband, right? And you're like, oop, nope, not going to do it. The next piece says, husband, love like Jesus. Why would you rebel against a love like that? Parents, you and I get the hardest admonition in this. To love like Jesus. To train them up. To care for them properly. Dads. Dads. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That should hurt. 
You say, well, I provide, I work. That's not all the provision that needs to be made. We've already figured out that showering our children with everything they want under the sun really doesn't help their character. (laughs) Feed them, take care of them. Train them, instruct them, encourage them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. How about Deuteronomy 4, 9? Only be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen and so that they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Deuteronomy 4, 9. What a hard, beautiful warning. I've told you before, we need to keep track of our praises and we need to repeat them over and over and over. You, family, need to tell your children about when God showed up and saved you and provided for you and how there was no way out and yet he made a way. How he gave you a job, how he gave you a home, how he gave you a spouse, how he gave you forgiveness. You didn't deserve it, but he gave it. You need to tell those things over and over and over Make people sick of hearing them now. Why? Because when you and I are gone, they will love the memory. They will love the recall. Remember when dad used to talk about this? Remember when Papa used to talk about that? They will love it. That repetition will build into them something they cannot forget. This is an impossibility for you and I. Proverbs chapter 3. What's the intention? Parent, what's the intention? We're going to love like a parent. We're going to love like a godly parent. We're looking at our children and telling them to love their parents. Now I'm going to look at the parents and say, love them like a parent. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 with me real quick. My son, we're going to read the first 12 verses and then we'll walk through them and we'll be done. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life, peace will be added to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. We memorize the next part in Awanas. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves, he disciplines him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Man, does punishment not feel like hatred? Does punishment not feel like somebody is on your case and they must despise you? The enemy tricks us into thinking that. Some punishment is doled out like that, but proper godly punishment is doled out from delight. It's doled out from love. God punishes because he loves you. He corrects us. Why? Because he doesn't want to see you put the fork in the socket. He doesn't want to see you shipwreck your life. He delights in you. And so he comes in and he corrects. Proverbs chapter 3. Love like a parent. Parental diligence has three blessings. It produces in us a godly character. 
It produces a blessed child. And it produces an honored name. You know, even when you're talking about pastors and their families, like the first piece that qualifies a pastor is that he has his household in order. And scripture actually pulls out the idea of like, if you can't manage your own household, how are you going to come to the church of God and be beneficial there? So this is important. It is serious. In Proverbs chapter 3, the intention, child, is not to berate you, hurt you, or harm you. The intention is to create in you a life that God will bless. The goal is not dominance, it's direction. We're not lording our power over those that we love and care about. We're trying to direct them and push them and prod them. It's not to be right, it's to train in righteousness. And Galatians 6, 9 would say this, do not grow weary in doing good things. I have repeated this to myself and I have told it constantly to parents over and over and over. Why? Because parenting is hard. If you think parenting is easy, now maybe you got a unicorn baby that sleeps all night. We haven't, never had. I thought number five was going to be it. He's the worst. Unless you've got a baby that sleeps all night and they coo and whatever else, right, all day, as soon as they're old enough to toddle around and take stuff and get into this and get into that, you and I figure out that parenting is hard work. It is constant. It is persistent. And when you let up, bad things happen. So you know what you and I have to do? We've got to put the metal, the, the metal constantly when you're around your children. And when do you get a break? When you offload them to somebody that you trust to do the same thing. So you and I are like, we're just swapping kids, grandparents. Okay, I can downshift, right? Took my kids to a friend's house. Okay, I can downshift. When they're with me, I have to be engaged. The troubling pieces of our society is YouTube and TV are raising way too many children. Parents, let me tell you something else. Your children are spending a lot of time in school. Maybe not right now, but some other time. Your children will be spending a lot of time in school. I want you just to sit down and factor out the hours of how long they're away from you and what that means when you actually are around them. Because if you and I are checking out too much when they're home or on the weekends, if we're going and doing our own thing, maybe we like to do this and we like to do that. If we are giving our children 40 hours a week to people that aren't training them in righteousness and you and I are spending two or three with them, please tell me, I mean, does that trigger anybody else to say this is lopsided? I'm begging you, get intentional. I'm going to love like a parent, verses 3 and 4. Loyalty and faithfulness is what we're trying to teach our children, right? If we teach them those two things, it will set them apart to both God and other people. How many of you like loyal friends? How many of you like faithful friends? And then God looks at you and I and says, okay, train them in your house. Because the person next door likes loyal and faithful people too. How many of you like loyal children, faithful children? How many of you want to bless them by making sure they're loyal and faithful to the Lord when they see you in it? Around your neck, right? These things are going to be just a blessing, right? Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Externally, you can see them. They are external traits and reminders. On your heart means they are internal corrections and habits. I am working on them constantly. Verses 5 to 7, what do you and I see? We see the recipe for godly success. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not 
wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. What do you and I see? Humility, intimacy, and faith. And what is the fruit of that success? It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Parents, this is required of you to teach your children, not me and not Justin. We're going to give an account for how your families are taken care of and how your children are taken care of. We're going to be there. We're going to give an account for that. You know who lines up first? Mom and dad. You're going to line up first. This is so very important. This is what you and I need to be teaching our children. Justin is here. The people that teach our children are here to help us do that, not to be the primary discipling people in their life. How about verses 9 and 10? We're going to love like God. We're going to love like God. The checkbook as a heart check, right? What do I love? Where do we spend our money? It's not that hard. Malachi 3 says, try me, test me, prove me faithful. The only time God says to try me and test me is with regard to money. Why? Because it's, it's intricate to, are we going to live? Are we going to make it? So if I can give him that, everything else will be cake. So God says, try me, test me, prove me faithful. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Give God the first and the best to bless. He'll make plenty out of the rest. Give God the first fruit of your life your time, your strength, your love, and your care. And he'll take that last 90% and he'll do more with it than you ever dreamed possible. You want to love people better, love the Lord well. You want to be a better husband, better wife, better kid, better parent, love the Lord well. He will take everything else you have and bless it. Love is correcting verses 11 and 12. What's the recipe for disaster? Well, it's pride, separation, and rejection. When you see our children growing up in that, when you and I as parents are watching those things take place, we have to correct them and we have to correct them when they're young. Correction is a fruit of love and delight. Those you don't love, you don't care. But those you love, you correct. And if you love the Lord, you realize he's corrected you. You and I realize that, that it's his loving hand keeping us from bad places and bad people and bad circumstances. He is good and kind. Correction is the fruit of love. And I love that word delight. Delight. He delights in you, so he corrects you. And you and I are required to love and to live like God. To love like God is to live like him. Intimacy and love requires all the aspects of maturity. Parent, you want to do it well? This is what it looks like. You are encouraging. You exhort them. You instruct them. You are persistent. You are tender when you have to be. You're focused. And the word flexibility I thought should be in there, but I couldn't leave it by itself because it sounded just too noodly. You need to be anchored and flexible, meaning... You need to be able to deviate from child to child what needs to be done to work through that, but the anchoring or the meaning and the purpose is always the same. And I told you before, parent, to look at the kids and tell them to obey you and respect you, and they all snarl and like, nope, not going to do it. Nope, that's really hard. And then you look at the parents and say, but you are required to love and to lead like Christ. Only a rebellious imbecile would run from Jesus' leading And the impossibility of the life you and I are trying to live is now made possible because the Holy Spirit lives in me and he lives in you and he's training us to be like Christ. As they come this morning to play the invitation, 
This is the, the heaviest of sermons I can lay because this is the one where you and I now understand there is an accountability to my relationship as a dad, as a husband. I'm accountable to these people God gave me, these blessings. Some of us prayed like crazy for these blessings and God gave them. Some of us just wanted them and God gave them. Some of us are working hard to, to, to go around and gather other children to us. And all of that stuff comes with this idea. You and I are required to love and lead like Jesus Christ. So when we're telling these kids to obey, number one, parent, make sure you're not leading them down a road that's going to curse or hurt them. If I lead my children, if I lead my church into an area that God has deemed sinful or wrong, I'm going to bear that responsibility. If I've taught them habits or traits that have dishonored God and given their character flaws, if I never told them about it but they saw it in my life, I've not provided for my family. So you and I need to take these admonitions very serious. We need to take the role of parenting more serious than anything else we've ever done. More serious than your job. Some of you all are professional people. You have a lot of things going on every day. When you walk into your home, one, two, three, four, five children show up. That is the most important thing you have going forward. That is what's going to change the world after you're gone. And they're going to need to be, I used a picture of lions this morning. kids to make it. They need to be anchored. They need to be just tenacious. They 